Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Can we give our pastor just some love today? Hey, you didn't come here to hear me be all sappy, did you? You came here for the Word of God, right? I hope you got a Bible. If you got a Bible open, we're going to be looking at two different passages of Scripture today. Numbers chapter 11, and we're also going to be looking at John chapter number 6. Numbers 11, John 6. Now, if you don't have a Bible, don't worry. If you're a guest of ours, we're glad that you're in the house. We're glad that your face is in the place. If you think you're strong, come take me on the Ninja Warrior course today. I'm going to beat you. I'm going to beat you. I'm kidding. But not really. I will beat you. <laughs> okay. Numbers chapter 11 and uh, John chapter 6. Let's start reading here. Again, if you don't have a Bible, it'll be up on the screen for us as we dive in together today. The book of Numbers says this. And the people, everybody say the people. This is talking about the Israelites. Complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled. And the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some outlying parts of the camp. Then, what was happening? Am I, oh, we can't even read that. We can't even read that. Hold on. Give us a second. We're going we're gonna to figure it out. We're gonna, I'm going to tell you some jokes while we figure this out here together. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Can you pay attention while, while they figure that out? I know you can't read it, but I'm gonna, I'll start over, okay, so we can, we can all be on the same page. Numbers 11 and the people. Come on, say the people. This is the Israelites, and the people complained. They were complaining to God in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled. Everybody say, ooh. And the fire of the Lord burned some outlying parts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses. Basically, Moses, God's being mean to us. Tell him to stop it. All right, so they cried to Moses. And Moses prayed to the Lord, and the fire, it died down. So the name of the place was called Tabera. Quite literally translated, it means burning. Come on, say burning. Because the fire of the Lord burned among them. Now the rabble, other translations, they may say like the mixed multitude, people that weren't Israelites, but were with the Israelites. All right? Now the rabble that was among them, they had a strong craving. And the people of Israel also wept again and said, oh, that we had some meat to eat. I mean, how many meat lovers we got in the room today? Hallelujah. Yes, give me some steak, some beef. I'll take chicken. I'll take elk. I'll take lunch meat. I, you, I, mean, I don't care. You give me some meat to eat. Oh, that we had some meat to eat. We remember the fish that we ate in Egypt that cost us nothing. Cost you nothing? Really? How many know the Israelites were slaves? And you say it cost you nothing? They were beaten. They were enslaved. They were tortured. They were murdered. And they remembered the meat that cost them nothing, right? It cost us nothing. The cucumbers and the melons and the leeks. I don't even know what a leek is. <laughs> and the onions and the garlic. But now our strength is all dried up, and there is nothing but all this manna 
to look at. Now, let me just pause for a moment here because we're at a critical juncture in the life of the Israelites. They have been enslaved in the land of Egypt for 400 years. To put it into perspective, our nation, we're not even 400 years old. 400 years. They've been enslaved. They've been working. They've been crying out, God, set us free. God, set us free. God, can you hear? 100 years later, God, hello. Set us free, God, for 400 years. I don't know what you're dealing with today, but has it been 400 years? Come on, somebody, right? Like 400 years. Now, in a moment, they have been emancipated, freed from the grasp of slavery in Egypt. They, the God split the Red Sea. They dro- walked through on dry land, and now they are free. They're out of Egypt. They're no longer slaves, but they still got a slave mentality. And they're remembering back to the onions and the butter and the meat. They're remembering, and they say, oh, my goodness, God, give me some of that meat because now we're stuck in a wilderness. Right? They're wandering around following a guy named Moses who's got a speech impediment. He can't talk. He doesn't know what's happening. He doesn't know where he's going. Some days they're camping. Some days they're walking. Some days they're traveling. Some days they're hitting rocks. Some days there's Panera bread falling from the sky. Who knows what's happening, right? They're just in the wilderness not knowing what's going on. Now they're remembering back to their slavery. And I find it so interesting because how many know when God does a work in your life, What is our tendency? Our tendency is often to go right back to the same place that God delivered us out of. You ever been there? Right? Like you're delivered from alcohol. Like you got a problem with alcohol. Boom. All of a sudden you're invited to the bar, right? You got a problem with pornography and God delivers you from pornography. All of a sudden, bam, there's a Facebook ad inviting you to the boom, boom room. <laughs> Nobody else? Okay, just me. Okay, right? Like uh, that, that, all of a sudden, like you got financial problems. God delivers you from financial debt. And all of a sudden you're pre-approved for $10 million on a Capital One card. Hallelujah, right? Somebody, God delivers you and then you find yourself going right back to the same place that God delivered you out of all right let's go to John chapter number six real quick John chapter six I want to read this because this is going to bring us to a great place of hope today John chapter six verse number 30 hey it's big today there we go it's big it says this so they said to him this is a crowd talking to Jesus then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you. What works do you perform, Jesus? Our fathers, they ate Panera bread in the wilderness. That's my translation. They ate manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Basically, they're saying, Jesus, we know Moses was the real deal because there was bread falling from the sky every day. There was a pillar of clouds, Jesus. Like, that's what we followed in the wilderness. There was a pillar of fire, Jesus. There was water. And you know where it came from? It came from a rock, Jesus. Moses, he's the real deal. Jesus, what do you do? What are you going to do to prove yourself? And Jesus says to them, I love Jesus. Jesus is a gangster. I don't know if you know that. He was. Jesus says to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, sir. Jesus, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. 
Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst again. Amen. Would you pray with me today? Father, your word is alive, it's living and active. And I pray today it would pierce into every heart and transform us from the inside out. Everybody said amen and amen. Come on, I've entitled today's talk, Keep Calm and Keep On. Would you turn to your neighbor, turn to your neighbor, get all up in their face, real creepy, give them some weird eyes, get up in their face and say, neighbor. Come on, say, neighbor. Keep calm. And keep on. Now turn to your second option, your other neighbor. Say, other neighbor. Keep calm and keep on. Remember those old shirts? Keep calm and Netflix on. Keep calm and if you're a parent, diaper change on. Hallelujah. If keep calm and football on, go Cowboys, God's team. Hallelujah. I know, I know, I know we're, I know we're, I know, I should be a Bears fan. I'm not a Bears fan, though. I'm just not. I'm not a Bears fan. I grew up in Dallas, right? So, like, down in Dallas, football, it's a religion, right? So, like, I can't, I can't, I, I'm a Cowboys fan. It's just, too, it's like, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Cowboys. That's, my wife didn't even make the list, right? She's not, that's how ingrained it is in me. Keep calm. I'm kidding. I love you, babe. She's not even watching. Keep calm and keep on. Hey, how many uh, frequent flyers do we have? Anybody travel for work? Maybe like you're constantly on an airplane. Anybody like, yeah, we got a few. This is fresh in my mind because I flew in yesterday uh, from Chicago and I'm going to fly out back to Chicago tonight to go home to my church and to my family. And I like I, the whole thing with like the airport experience. How many know like it's it's designed like the whole process is designed just to kind of like suck the fruit of the spirit from your face, right? Like that the whole thing from the moment you get up to like drop off, you're dropped out. Like you get up, you put on your hazards and you're getting out. People are yelling, hey, you can't park there. Move. I'm like, I'm just trying to get my bag, I'm trying to kiss my wife, say hi to my kids, say bye to my kids. I'm just trying to like get there and get out. And people are yelling at you. You get to the counter. They got your ticket wrong. You finally get the right ticket. You go to security. They're touching you in places and telling you to do things and bend over here and cough here and you're like what is going on security you finally get to the gate you're looking at your ticket thinking oh dear god please oh please dear lord don't give me the middle seat i don't want the middle seat right and you look at your ticket my ticket was 36 b and this is a true story of the last time i flew not yesterday but the last time i actually flew i'm looking at my ticket it says 36 b and i'm thinking oh no 36 b can't be right because we got a b c right and so B's in the middle. So I'm like, I'm thinking, oh, no, I've got the middle seat, right? I I need an aisle because I'm a big dude, right? Like I need to stretch out my legs. Even a window would be great, but no, 36B. And I get to my seat and I find that there's no one in the aisle. And I'm thinking, hallelujah, right? Like maybe I can move over when that person doesn't show up. And then I see coming down the aisle. I'm looking around the plane, right, thinking, okay, it's kind of filled up. So maybe there's a seat that I'm not seeing around here. This wonderful woman is coming down the aisle, and she's carrying something. It was a baby. 
Now, now, don't judge me, cause I, I, I have kids. I like I've been there. I've done that. And this woman comes, and she, and this isn't like an ordinary baby. This is a newborn baby, right? And so newborns, they need diaper changes, they need powder, they need like nursing, they need skittles. Something they need something to keep them quiet, right? They need something. And this dear woman is coming down, and she comes to me, and I'm thinking, "Oh Jesus, I just want to watch School of Rock. Like I just, I just want to zone out, right? Like just please, maybe there's a seat somewhere." She comes. Excuse me, I'm, we're sitting right here. Oh, awesome! Praise, praise God! Hallelujah! She comes and she sits down. Now this dear woman, she's having a time. This baby's having a time. This ba- She's changing the diaper in the seat. She's nursing the baby. She's trying to console the baby because the baby's crying. The baby's yelling. It's just a rough, rough situation. Now, I'm thinking the whole time, got my earbuds in, turning the volume up, trying to just kind of zone out, do my thing, listen to School of Rock, listen to a little bit of ACDC and Hillsong because I love Jesus, but I love rock and roll as well, trying to do the whole thing, right? Like, I'm just trying to zone out, do my thing, and this mother is trying to console the baby but the baby's like spitting up on me the baby's touching my phone the baby's grabbing my shirt the mom's trying to stop the whole thing and so you know like above you you ha- you got a couple options you got air and then you got the the uh the the dinger what's the dinger thing called yeah 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 so you can call the the flight attendant to come to you so i look up um, okay ding ding right the whole thing and this so the flight attendant comes and i say hi how are you today god bless you you who are highly favored, <laughs> anything just to kind of gain some. And I'm, and I'm trying to make the situation not about the mom and the baby, but more about like just me, right? Like, hey, flight attendant, is there any possibility of like another seat somewhere on the plane? Now, all of a sudden, we got a problem because the mom starts looking at me. Right. She starts peering into my soul and I can feel the anger rising inside. I can feel the emotion because she's already flustered with her baby. Right. She's already trying to console the baby. And now here I am. Excuse me. Is there a seat anywhere else on the plane? And I'm thinking there's got this is a massive plane. There's got to be another another seat. She says, no, sir, I'm sorry. We're all booked up. Can you believe that this mother, dear woman, was mad at me? Can you believe that she was angry at me? And she starts telling me, how dare you? How dare you try to get away from me? And I'm trying. I'm trying my best here. I'm doing everything I can to keep my baby calm. And how dare, can you believe she's mad at me? I'm trying to zone out. She's mad. Can you believe this woman was mad at me? Can you believe my wife? My wife was mad at me. Come on, somebody. It was my wife. My wife. I'm kidding. I didn't try to. I wanted to get away from my wife. I wanted to so desperately. But here's the point I'm trying to make today. Although it's a joke. I'm not. I'm just kidding, right? Like, don't judge me today, people. (laughs) The point I'm trying to make is this. Often as a in the life of a Christian, in order to make a difference in your life, in order to have influence in your life, oftentimes the life of a Christian is lived in the middle seat. You're not who you once were, 
but you're not yet quite who God has for you to be. But you were frustrated oftentimes in the middle seat. This is where we find the Israelites today, what we just read. They are emancipated. They are freed from the grasp of the Egyptian slaves, from the Egyptian slavery, but they're not yet quite who God has them to be. God had promised them a promised land flowing with milk, flowing with honey. I don't know why those two go together, but somehow they go together. An amazing land flourishing God's favor, God's blessing upon this land. But they're not quite there yet. They are frustrated in the middle seat. God has them on a journey. God has them in the midst of this process. Can I ask you today, are you stuck? Are you frustrated in the middle seat? Has God delivered you from a past? that you often try to forget about? Are you interested in making a difference in your life? And you're like, I'm not who I was, but I know that I'm not who God has for me to be, but I'm stuck here in the middle seat with little to no resource. I'm frustrated right here in the middle seat. I think it's important when, when God does a work in your life, you ask the question, God, why did you do a work in my life? Why did you come through? Why did you free me? Why did you restore my marriage? Why did you free me financially? God, why did you do this in my life, right? And I think it's important we ask God, why did God free the Israelites? It wasn't because they were the most moral people, right? Like they weren't. They were murdering each other. There was incest going on. There were um, um, unbelievable immorality happening in the life of the... It wasn't because they took a solemn oath. God, I solemnly swear, I will follow you all of the days of my life. If you deliver me from Egypt, right? It wasn't because of that at all. It's because God was meeting a need in their life. Did you know that God desires to show himself miraculously powerful in your life? God desires, can I challenge you? I could preach a whole sermon on prayer. But listen, God hears your prayer today. What you're praying for. God, I'm asking that you deliver me financially. God, I'm asking that you restore my marriage. God, my kids are having a hard time. They're rebelling against us and against you. Bring them back. God hears your prayer. For 400 years, the Israelites cried out to God, God, deliver us. God, set us free. God, would you deliver us from slavery? All they knew was slavery in their life. And in a moment, God delivers them because he was meeting a need, because he wants to show himself powerful in your life. God wants to show himself powerful in the wilderness that perhaps you find yourself in today. What is your wilderness today? What is your middle seat today? What is it that you say, God, I'm stuck. God, I'm frustrated. God, I'm wandering for 40 years in the midst of this wilderness. What is it that God is wanting to do? He wants to show himself powerful in your life. In the moment God does a work in your life, you ask that question. Awesome, God, cool. What now? What do you want to do in my life now? How do you want to work in my life now? And God's going to take you on a journey. Can I share a story? story of a guy named Frankie. He goes to our church. Frankie came to our church on Easter Sunday morning of this year, just a few short months ago. He came to our church. Frankie was connected to a guy on our worship team, and he invited him to church, and he came. And on Easter Sunday morning, he gave his life to Jesus. It was powerful, life-transformative things happening in his life. 
And it, it was amazing. I got to talk to him after church. It just so happens on that Sunday morning, our worship director and his wife got offered a job in California, and they were moving away. <laughs> and so this was their last Sunday leading worship. Frankie comes to us. He gets saved, and he's a musician. And I'm like, oh, let me just kind of clue you in with church plant life for a moment, right? Like if you've got a heart in your body and it's beating, you can serve. <laughs> you can help. Like, hey, have you seen a kid? You're our new kids pastor. Hallelujah, right? Like, that's kind of how it works in church plant life, right? Like, that's just how it happens. So Frankie comes to us. He gets saved. Our worship director's leaving. He's a musician. And I'm like, bro, Frankie, you got saved? Awesome. Wow. You want to join our worship team next Sunday? He did. I can't believe it. He's never heard worship music. He's never played worship music. And he joined our worship team the next Sunday. But how many know? Oftentimes, when someone like that gets saved, there are still some things in their life, right? Like, there are still some patterns, there are still some behavioral things that maybe they're not aligning with the Word of God, but God's going to take them on a journey. How many know, sometimes we as Christians, we think that we are the voice of the Holy Spirit in someone's life. Like, it's my job to go to you and say, you got sin in your life, brother. you got to get it right. Like, that's not my job. There's a time and a place for calling people out. But how many know the Holy Spirit has a much better way of doing it? So Frankie and I are meeting. Frankie and I are getting together once a week now. Even to this day, we get together, we work, I talk with him, I try to disciple him. I know that God's doing a work in Frankie's life. I know that God is speaking to Frankie. I know that Frankie's in the word because he tells me what God's speaking to him. So my, my prayer has been this, God, would you just begin revealing to Frankie the things that I know, that he knows, that you know are contrary to your word so that I don't have to bring it up. Not that I'm not willing to, but God, I want you to do the work in his life. Right, Because oftentimes Frankie got saved, right? And all of that means is that he got his life right. But that doesn't mean all the behavioral issues, all the things that are sinful in his life just go away overnight. Can God do that? Yes. But often what God's going to do is take him on a journey. God's going to take him on a process. God's going to bring him into that wilderness. So I, just a few short weeks ago, Frankie and I got together. And he said, Pastor, man, I've been praying. I've been in the word. And I feel like God has been convicting me over a couple different things in my life. And I feel like I need to stop sleeping with my girlfriend. And I feel like I need to stop drinking so much. And I feel like God is telling me to give up some certain things in my life. And I'm sitting there thinking, this is amazing. God is doing a work in his life. See, when you give your life to Jesus, he's not interested in changing your behavior. He is interested in changing your heart and changing your soul. And as you, yeah, give God praise. But listen, as your heart changes, as your soul changes, so too will your behavior. Listen, we are not interested in people getting saved and then telling them, you got to do this, and you got to do that, and you can't do this, and you can't go here. All of a sudden, we've made religion, we've made Christianity a list of do's and don'ts. And God is interested in changing your heart. God is interested in changing your soul. He's not asking you to change your behavior. As your soul changes, your behavior will change. And God will take you on a journey. And this is where we find the Israelites. They are freed from, it, from Egypt. They're out of Egypt. But now how is God going to get Egypt out of them? They've only known slavery. The, culturally, they only know sla- life of slaves. How is God going to now remove Egypt out of the Israelites? He's going to take them on a journey. 
He's going to let them wander in the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years. They're following a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. They're eating Panera bread coming from the sky. They're drinking water from a rock. For 40 years, they're stuck. They're frustrated in the middle seat. And I found that in order to make a difference in your life, you have to get comfortable being frustrated in the middle seat because that's the place where God's going to reveal his power. That's the place where God's going to reveal himself to you in a mighty, incredible way. This is true even in my own life. i share with you one more story personally. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm, I won't belabor these details, but let me just tell you this. I grew up um, in a Christian home, but a very weird Christian home. We went to church, but we lived a totally different life when we were not at church. My dad was an angry, um, violent violently abusive alcoholic. This is all I knew in my life. It all culminated in an event where my dad tried to kill my mom. And so needless to say, he went to jail. My parents got divorced. It was a tragic situation. There were five of us kids and my mom. So six of us left. And we were now left with this question of how could daddy choose that over his wife? How could daddy choose alcohol and a life of affairs, and a life of violence over, over me. And now I'm left wrestling with these questions. How could my dad not want me? How could my dad not care for me? How could I, like I look at my kids today, and I say, Johnny, Jovi, Jack, Jerrica. Yeah, they're all J's, J-Train. I look at them, and I'm thinking, I would do anything for these kids. I, I would give my life for these kids. How could my dad not want me like that? How could my dad treat my mom that way? And to this day, can I tell you that I'm still on the process of dealing with that? Now, hear me clearly. I don't carry um, anger or bitterness towards my dad. There was a time when we had no communication. Now we probably text maybe once, maybe twice a year. We'll we'll just kind of text back and forth. I carry no anger, no bitterness towards my dad. But I'm still left with major things in my life where I have to process. I'm still on the journey. I'm still in the midst of that because I know God's not done with me. I'm left when I graduate high school saying, my dad should have been there saying, that a boy, son. My dad should have been at my college graduation. My dad should have been the day, the day I got married saying, David, you're going to make an amazing husband because you followed my example, but he wasn't. My dad should have been there the day my kids were born saying, David, you're going to make a great father, but he wasn't there. My dad should have been there the day I was on American Ninja Warrior saying, I'm proud of you, but he wasn't. And so to this day, I am still on that journey. And to this day, again, there's no bitterness or anger in my heart. But what this process and what this journey does in my life is it drives me to my face every single day saying, dear God, only by your grace can I not do this to my wife. Only by your grace will I be the best father that you've called me to be that I won't follow in the example of the father, the earthly father that I have. And it drives me to my face because this process is not done in my life. And I have a feeling it will never be done in my life till the day I die because God wants me on my face because God's got greater things ahead for my life than just to be stuck in a, in a life of bitterness and a life of anger. God has better things for my life and it's all gonna happen because of the process. Are you in process today? Are you interested in making a difference in your life, but you're in the middle of the process? You're frustrated in the middle seat. Are you there today? Can I tell you this? God, this is the very place 
that God desires you to be. It's the very place he can show you his power. He can show you his strength. He can show you his resource available to you in the middle seat, frustrated, in the middle seat, frustrated in the process. This is where the Israelites are. But you know what I'm finding? And I'm going to conclude with this. I'm finding that uh, the reason I read John chapter 6, and in fact, can we put it back up on the screen? John chapter 6, verse 35. What I'm finding in my own life in the middle of the process is that Jesus is more than enough. Verse 35 says this. Let's go on to verse 35. The book of John says, but Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst again. Listen, we are constantly asking God for a sign, for a miracle, for a breakthrough, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we're asking the God who's already proven himself faithful time and time and time again. Are you frustrated in the middle seat? God is more than enough. His resource is more than enough. He's providing for you the water. He's providing for you the bread. He's providing for you the sustenance. And if you don't see him yet, then ask him to reveal himself even greater in your life. In the middle of the process, listen, your past does not define you. Who you were does not define you. God is using your process to bring you to a place that he has designed for you. He's got greater things ahead for you. Your future is brighter than your past. I conclude with the final story. True story of this female dog. She was pregnant, and she was hit by a car. And this particular female dog, her hind legs were broken. So the the owner, of course, takes the dog to the veterinarian, and the vet says, listen, we're going to do everything we can. They could not save her hind legs. So the only way she did live, and she was pregnant, the only way she could get around was by um, flailing her front legs, and then she would drag her hind legs behind. She'd flail her front legs she dragged her hind legs behind. Well, she, uh, the time came for her to give birth to her puppies. The puppies were healthy. Puppies were alive. The puppies had four working uh, legs. But how many know when it came time for them to learn how to walk, how do you think they learned how to walk? Four healthy legs. They would flail their front legs in front, and they would drag their hind legs behind. They flail, and they would drag because that's what they saw example in front of them. So the owner takes the puppies to the vet, says, doc, what's going on? Like they have four healthy working legs. What, what's happening here? And the doctor said something powerful. He said, we're now going to take them on a journey to live the way they were designed to live. We're now going to take them on a process to help them walk the way they were designed to walk. And it's through that process through that process, through the frustration of the middle seat that God has for you a brighter future. It's through the frustration of that process that God is going to bring you on the other side to the promised land flowing with favor, flowing with blessing, flowing with milk, flowing with honey. It's the place that God has designed you to be. Are you frustrated in the middle seat? It's because God is teaching you to be the person that he has called you to be. Are you far from Christ today? Come into relationship and go on that process. Are you close with Christ, but you're in the middle of a crisis in your life, in your marriage, in your finances, with your kids, in your community, with your job? Are you in the middle of that process? God has a design for you. God has a promised land for you. And in order for you to make a difference in your world and make a difference in your life, it's through the process. You keep calm and you keep on. Amen? Let's pray together today. Father, I thank you for your word. Your word is powerful. Your word is alive. It is living. It is active. And I pray today that your word would fall on hearts and on ears that are ready to receive. 
you know, maybe today you're here and you say, Pastor, here's my reality. At one time in my life, I would say that I was walking with Jesus. I made a commitment. I prayed the prayer. I even went to church. Right? I, was, I was in, fully in. Maybe for you, there's never been a moment in your life when you've made Jesus Christ the Lord and the Savior of your life, when you've invited him in to be your all in all, your everything in your life. So today, if you fall in that first category, maybe that second category, I'm going to ask you to do something bold today. With every head bowed and every eyes closed, would you just simply raise your hand and say, Pastor, that is me. Would you pray for me today? Just raise it up quickly so we can see. Anybody here today? Anybody? Awesome. Praise God. Anybody else? Hallelujah. Anybody else? I don't want to miss anybody. Praise God. Thank you. Listen, if you raised your hand, can you place it on your heart? In fact, I'm going to ask that we all do that. Can we all place a hand on our heart? I'm going to pray a prayer. The book of Romans says this, that if you pray this prayer, you believe it, you confess it with your mouth, then you are a daughter. You are a son of the living God. So all together, can we say, Jesus, I love you. And Jesus, I need you. And I need your grace. I ask you. I invite you into my heart today. Would you forgive me of all of my sin and free me and fill me with your spirit? I am chosen and I am a child of God. Today and forever, I want to make a difference in this world. Use me, take me on the journey and bring me to that promised land. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Come on, church. Can we give God praise? <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Come on, the Bible says this, that heaven throws a party over one person that repents than over 99 bougie people who think that they don't need the Lord. So one more time, let's give God praise in this place. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.